This episode of Rob's Podcast is sponsored by our friends over at Bet Online. There's no shortage of action going on with our exclusive partners, BetOnline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back with the UFC, boxing, NASCAR, and soccer leading the way. Bet Online has all the best odds and lines for the upcoming games and matches. If you need more, Bet Online has simulated. NFL, NBA, and UFC happening every day for you to check out. And if you're looking for something else other than sports, BetOnline also has hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, and all the best props in the business. Visit BetOnline.ag or use your mobile device and join now to receive your new welcome bonus and start playing today. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner podcast one, BetOnline, to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and make sure to use that promo code podcast one for your sign up bonus. Visit BetOnline.ag and don't forget that promo code podcast one for your sign up bonus bet online your online sportsbook experts hey everybody what's going on rob sesternino back here with some special coverage today because uh we are going to be speaking with uh the host of the amazing race but also the host of a brand new show tough as nails coming to cbs on july 8th that would be phil kogan and of course uh that we can't talk to phil kogan without bringing in the chief amazing race correspondent here on the rhap network the great jessica lease jessica how are you i'm great rob i'm really excited to talk to phil i promise i won't freak out like i did last time <laughs> I, I think he likes it i i i'm sure i'm sure he likes it but he liked it once i don't know if he's gonna like it a second time Yes. Well, if you were freaking out about tough as nails, that uh, I think he would really appreciate that. I think he would. It's really, from what I understand, it's really uh, something that he cares a lot about and has invested a lot in. And I think that makes me more excited to watch it as well. Jess, that uh, I think there's probably a lot of listeners like, wait, what are you guys talking about? What is uh, what is this tough as nails? Uh, can you give the log line for what the tough as nails show is? Um, sure. The Tough as Nails show, from my understanding, is it's a competition show, and there are, I believe, uh, some number of contestants uh, who mm-hmm. it's a survivor. I side. think it's twelve. As, it looks yeah. like looks like they're yeah, it looks like twelve. Um, there are twelve contestants who are all from different types of backgrounds where toughness is valued. Uh, mm-hmm. However, toughness is defined, and so they will be competing in. A variety of challenges that are based in uh, real life blue collar professions to kind of determine who is the toughest competitor. Okay. So there's going to be a number of podcasters that are uh, part of this cast. Well, you know, Rob, nobody's tougher than podcasters. You can tell by the <laughs> hey. perfectly smooth hands we all have. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Uh, so uh, very excited to get into this. Uh, we have uh, Phil on the line. Let's go ahead and patch in the Emmy Award winning host of The Amazing Race and uh, the brand new show Tough as Nails. Phil, good morning. Hello, Rob and Jessica. Phil, how are you? I'm well, young man. How are you? <laughs> we're doing okay. <laughs> we're doing okay, Phil. Uh, Jess and I are very excited to see what you have coming up next. Uh, tough as nails, and from what we understand, that this was a passion project for you. Could you just tell us a little bit of how this idea came to be? 
Yeah, when you say passion, yeah, ten years I've been pitching, <laughs> pitching this idea. Um, yeah, um, sometimes it's good never to give up, right? You never know. Um, look, I, I come from uh, I come from working class working class background of my family history, or uh, let's just put it this way: they're not royalty. Um, so we're talking coal miners, gold miners, farmers, builders, um, people who have worked with their hands. They came uh, from from Europe. Some some of them came from the gold rush in, in California to New Zealand. Um, so I grew up uh, with an appreciation for those people who are really good at working with their hands. And um, my parents were the first of, of uh, the, the, their generation to then be able to go through to university and both of them in to get very getting high degrees, the equipment of doctorates in music and agriculture. So um, it was always encouraged like to go get a higher education, you know, for my parents to go get a higher education. But I think what's happened is as wonderful as it is for, for people to go get a higher education, sometimes uh, we've, 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 we've kind of looked down on those people who work in the trades, like somehow it's less than somebody who has a degree and that always just annoyed me, uh, you know, because I, I loved what my grandparents were about. And I love what I'm, I'm proud of my family history of the farmers and the builders and the fence makers and, and uh, roofers and all of those people who have worked with their hands. So I wanted to, to, to create a show that honored them and made us appreciate them again. Um, there was a time where if you were a, a farrier or you were uh, a carpenter or a mechanic that you were revered in your community. And now I feel like some people look down on that, like somehow it's less than the person who has the degree up on their wall in their office. So I, I just wanted to say, hey, hold on a second. University is wonderful. Education is wonderful. But education comes in different forms. And sometimes that's being an apprentice and learning how to be a, a, a really good carpenter as well as going to university. Like we need a mixture of both. Well, Phil, uh, just as you know, you know, there's different kinds of education and different kinds of intelligence. I think there's also many different yeah. kinds of toughness. So I would love to know a little bit more what you can tell us about how is the show going to seek to define and evaluate toughness? Well, I think that's a really, really good question. And I think it's a huge part of why it was very important to me that men and women were competing on the show equally and that they were acknowledged as being tough equally because as you said, tough comes in many forms is somebody who plays in the NFL, who walks out onto the field, who weighs 400 pounds tough. Yes, they are. They're extremely tough physically. I don't know whether necessarily whether any of, of those NFL players are as tough mentally as my mother. My mother is the toughest person that I've ever met in my life. I've, I, I remember hearing her typing through the night. She was a teacher. I, I, I think my mother is the last person that would ever quit at anything. I think my mother would, would die to get something done, literally. I mean, she is that tough mentally. My dad's a big burly rugby player from way back in the day. He's, you know, t- was 250 pounds, a very strong, powerful man but I do not believe he was as tough as my mother or still is as tough as my mother who's 78 now, uh, as my dad mentally. So I just wanted to say, Hey, toughness comes in many shapes and sizes. It comes in many different ages. It can be male. It can be female. 
It can be somebody who's a rod buster. It can be somebody who is a roofer. We have a, a roofer. His name's Lee. He's 62 years old. He's got hands the size of dinner plates. He's got calluses on those hands. He's worked. He thinks he's, he's put on 10,000 roofs in his life. And I'll tell you what I think tough is. I think tough is getting up at five o'clock every day, going and lifting thousands of pounds of shingles up onto a roof day after day, year after year in whatever weather hits him and never having an excuse for not going to work and doing that over and over and over again, that's tough. And so I just want to say, Hey, before you just assume that tough is the MMA. And again, hats off to anybody who's prepared to go into a ring and go toe to toe with someone that is tough. I'm not, I'm not saying it isn't, but I'm just saying that's one form of tough. I think there are other forms and I just wanted to explore that strength, endurance, agility, life skills, and most importantly, mental toughness. Phil, so uh, we understand the theme, but could you tell us a little bit more about the format of how the new show is going to work? Yes. Um, I think one, one of the primary differences, one of the biggest differences between Tough as Nails and a lot of other competition shows is that nobody goes home. There's two competitions that are happening on Tough as Nails. One is an individual competition to determine who is the toughest of them all. There's 12 competitors. In the end, only one will be crowned the toughest nails champion, winning the $200,000 and get that title. However, if you get cut from the individual competition, you don't get eliminated and go home. You stay and compete in a team competition. So there's 12 competitors. Those 12 competitors are split into two teams. Those two teams compete against each other and the winning team of each of the team challenges wins money. So nobody went home from tough as nails without a dollar in their pocket. Everybody had money. Everybody won money, whether it was in the individual competition or whether it was in the team competition, the team competition is hard fought. Um, the team competition, quite frankly, is something that many of them really identify with because somebody like Tara, who's an, who's a rod buster, she works with her brothers and sisters in, in the union and the, in, in the iron working union. And so she's used to working with a team. She relies on her coworkers to protect her and keep her safe on job sites where it's extremely dangerous. So that team dynamic to me is one of the more interesting aspects of the show. There's a lot of competition shows where you have a competitor, they come in and you say, okay, how fast are you at from, you know, from point A to point B? If you're fast, you stay, if you're slow, you go. And then you meet a lot of different people. You can't get too deep into their backstory with our competitors. They're there for every single episode and you get to know them more and more every episode, whether they're in the individual competition or not, they're in the sh every single show and they are competing in every single show because if they're not in the individual, they're in the team competition. Well, I think that also must help um, as far as you've seen so many times, I think on The Amazing Race, you see a team get eliminated. And then the next week you see something that would have very much been their wheelhouse. So you get the opportunity to see them compete in everything. Yes. I mean, I mean uh, I'm, I'm never going to say anything ill against the format of Amazing Race because I, <laughs> of course not. I think it's, I, I, it's one of the most successful formats in reality ever. Um, however, yes, there have certainly been times where 
I, I have really pined for some watching some teams get eliminated right out of the gate because I know that there's so much great content that could come from them being on the race. And as you said, something that could really trigger an element of their personality that you really want to celebrate on, on the show. And it was certainly uh, in the back of my mind. It's not just amazing race. It's on other shows as well. So I wanted to make a show that was more about the more about character and heart and who these people were and have the audience. I really wanted to, I want the audience to fall in love with these characters. I want people to say, that's me. That's my uncle. That's my mother. That's my brother. I get these people because most people are like these people. Um, as my wife and producing partner said, this is about real people in real life who are real tough. And most people are like these contestants. They are not wanting to be influencers. They're not looking for a show. They're not looking to be famous. I had to convince some of them that this was a good idea because there was a paycheck, regardless of whether they stayed, you know, whether they were in the individual competition in episode two or whether they got cut. There was money for everybody to be one. And so you can tell that these people are not about wanting to be famous and, and they're not there to, to, to use this as a leverage to springboard to something else. They want to go back to their jobs. They love their jobs. Danny Moody, who's the drywaller, who's a family man, who's these four amazing kids. He's all about his kids, but he's the first to tell you he's got a little bit of a beer belly, um, you know, from, from playing with his kids. Um, and, and he's not got a six pack. He's not ready for the cover of a magazine necessarily. These people are slightly flawed. And we, we zero in on that. We celebrate that. They're not perfect. They're not going to be hand models. They're not going to be the next model. They're not going to be the next, you know, uh, singer or, uh, they're not going to be rich and famous and, and have a whole bunch of bling. They're going to go back to their jobs. And I think that's part of what we're wanting to celebrate. Most Americans are like these people. I hope that the audience will see themselves in these people, identify with them, fall in love with them, and want to watch their journey from the beginning to the end. Okay, so as far as identifying with them and uh, having a sort of uh, feeling like uh, you really you know, are involved with what's going on here. I want to hear more about the challenges you're going to put them through. And specifically, I want to know, Phil, did you try any of these challenges yourself and how did you do? So, yes. Um, the answer to the question is <laughs> yes, I, I have tried some of them. So uh, all the challenges are based on real world jobs. So we didn't build sex. Um, it's, we didn't build something specifically for the show. We go to a farm, we do farm jobs. We go to a sand factory, we do what they do at the sand factory. We go to uh, where there's a lineman school, we do what you do to get through lineman school. So it's real world, real job challenges. And that's important because in any real world job, there's always competition. How much drywall can you put up in one day? Danny Moody, his dad has a record. Uh, he's, a, he's a third generation drywaller. His dad and his grandfather were drywallers. There's a family uh, record for how many sheets of drywall uh, they put up in a day. Danny Moody on a typical day puts up 60 sheets of drywall every single day. And these things weigh up to 150 pounds. He's lifting all of those up 
and, and, and nailing them to the ceiling. So we took real world jobs and turned those into competitions way back when I, I spent all my Christmas holidays with my grandfather, who was a mechanic and an era mechanic in world war two. And I learned more from him about working with my hands and working with tools than I have from anybody. And he had three sheds and he had things in the shed and from the things in the shed, he could fix things and make things work. Um, he, he would tell me stories about my ancestors being in the coal mine and they would have shoveling competitions to see who could shovel the most amount of coal. You can't have a job site and not have inherently have competition in on the job site. How many hay bales did you load on the truck? How many bricks did you, you lay today? All of these, all of that, that competitive spirit that happens on job sites everywhere in the world. We wanted to bring some of that to tough as nails. And that's where you're going to throw somebody like Lynette, who's a welder into a situation where you see how she uses her life skills to be able to cope with doing a job she may never have done before at a real job site. And now she's got to see how she copes with that. Phil, can you talk a little bit about how you found the contestants to compete in this show? Because as you said, these are not the influencers. I think on a lot of the other traditional reality shows, I think a lot of times uh, that people sort of flock to the show because they are looking for some sort of notoriety or stardom. But if these people are reluctant to be part of this sort of thing, how did you guys go about finding the right people for this show? Well, I'm going to tell you this. It was incredibly difficult in the beginning when I couldn't say who the show was for, when I couldn't say where it was going to be on, it was very difficult to say, Hey, there's this reality show. And then you're trying to explain something from scratch. You've got nothing to show. It's a little bit like in the beginning with amazing race, when we were first trying to explain the show, there was so many questions. How much money do I get? You know, how do I get from here to there? You know, can I do this? Can I do that? There's a thousand questions about how things work. And then once people see what it is, they get it. And then you can kind of move past all of the endless questions and you can get into the meat potatoes and people see the opportunity. So it was very, very difficult. It was really a matter of contacting all the unions. There's 15 million uh, union members in the United States that work in the iron working industry and um, who, who work in carpenters unions. And so it was a matter of reaching out to them and, you know, ran into a lot of dead ends. I started by myself with, and then with a young associate, I spend months uh, digging around. Then you talk to one person and, you know, and you say, Hey, do you know of anybody who's a real badass who's a carpenter? And then you go down another road and you follow those people. Um, ultimately we, we pulled together and found some fantastic stories. And then it was a matter of, okay, yes, you've got to take time off work. And for some of these people to get time off work, it's a much bigger deal than, you know, if you're uh, wanting to be a dancer, for instance, uh, and, and, you may have carved out space in your life to be able to, to, to practice to be a dancer. But if you're literally working paycheck to paycheck, and then you're trying to convince somebody to take time off work to come and be on a reality show, and then their, their, their idea of what a reality show is, is, you know, they think of some of the, the more extreme reality shows where, you know, they're like, hey, I haven't got time to be on some reality show, okay? I've got family to feed. I got, I got bills to pay. I, I, you know, I can't deal with this you know, heading off to go to Los Angeles to be on a reality show. So it was incredibly hard. And then, uh, you know, we, but we kept pushing and pushing and pushing Then I got a, a team on to help with the casting. And it was about looking at stories and in, in newspapers to find people who were real heroes and in, in real life. Um, 
who had done particular things in a fire maybe, or um, maybe, you know, they were written up uh, because there was some, some, somebody found their story and told their story. And um, so we did that. And then, then I went on a six city tour. I took a stage and I drove into the heartland of America, coast to coast. And I set up a stage and I invited people to come up and I got on the radio and I, I got on TV and I said, I'm going to be down at, uh, you know, I'm going to be in Times Square at eight o'clock tomorrow morning. Um, if you think you're tough as nails or you know someone who is, come on down and prove it. Got them to get up on stage, got them to do a, a brutal truth test just to get a measure of their fitness and their mental toughness. And, um, and, and I had, you know, Lee, who's the 62 year old roofer from St. Louis. He just, he heard me on the radio. Uh, he called his wife. He said, what do you think? And, and she said, yeah, go on down. He turned up in his work clothes. He was on his way to work. He jumped up on the stage and I just knew straight away this guy was a star. And then I had to try to convince him to be on the show. So yeah, it was very, very tough. But what I will tell you is that we've already started looking at people for a season two and, um, and, and, and it's now that we have video, now that we have something to show and they, and people can see what it is. They're like, Holy crap. This is, this is, this is really amazing. There's all this money to be won and, and, uh, hell yeah, I'll sign up. I, I'm tough as nails and I'll, I'll sign up. Well, I think it's always easier once people can visualize it. Oh, uh, I do yeah. have, <laughs> yeah, I do have one, one more question for you about, um, your experience, uh, once the show was cast and once you got rolling, um, what are the differences between, um, hosting something like the amazing race and hosting this? Well, most of my work on Amazing Race is really behind the scenes, um, writing the scripts and having to write on the fly. And then I work with a very lean crew on on Amazing Race. It's just me, a cameraman and a sound person. And so um, setting up the shots and, and writing and keeping up to date. And there's lots of changes. And then obviously keeping up with the story so I could do the interviews. It's a lot of behind the scenes. Um, this is a lot of that behind the scenes, of course, just being the showrunner and and having to employ all the staff and uh being responsible for more people and more uh of the decision making in the creative process um and then on top of that stepping in front of the camera and a lot it's a lot more for me to do uh in front of the camera uh because of the uh during the challenges i'm i'm you know commentating the the challenges at the same time so the the there's just it's just a bigger workload across the board. Um, the, the the challenge with race, of course, is is, is the travel and doing my, my job with a very lean crew while we're moving so so many thousands of miles. Um, yeah, there there there's a lot of similarities, but there's and the, the added response there's there's more responsibility for me in front of a camera on this one. In front of the camera, yeah. All right, Phil, uh, July 8th is the premiere of Tough as Nails. Uh, we're very excited. We're going to podcast the show that I think that it's uh, the right show for this time right now because I feel like it's a feel good show that people uh, really could use. So, Phil, we're going to be seeing a lot of you uh, here now for the next couple of months between uh, Tough as Nails and The Amazing Race back on the fall. So uh, we're looking forward to uh, a few months of Phil in our lives. Well, you've had a... A, 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 a good break. I don't know how you filled <laughs> yourself in, but uh, you, you, I haven't been on for a while. So, uh, what is it? More than a year. So, uh, yeah, you might be you might be uh, filled up by the time that you've uh, 
Give God through Never. both the shows. Hashtag filled up. Okay, Phil, uh, thank you so much. Uh, best of luck uh, with the show. And uh, we really appreciate you coming on and talking about it with us for a little bit today. Yeah, no, I, I, I appreciate getting the word out there. And, you know, launching any new show is incredibly challenging and to get cut through and to, for people to turn up and it's like, how do you do something new and different? And it's always very difficult to do that. But I am, I am hoping that the timing is right. And I'm, I'm hoping that the audience uh, understands, you know, the purpose of this show and the purpose is to celebrate real people in real life who are real tough. So thank you. Okay. Phil, thank you so much. And uh, hopefully we'll talk to you again soon. All right. All right. Have a great day. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, Jess, there you go. Phil Kogan. Always great. And <laughs> Jess, uh, the, I really do think that, you know, this is a, a, a perfect show right now for the time. I think a lot of these people are probably, uh, you know, you wouldn't have called them this uh, six months ago. But, you know, a lot of these people are, you know, essential workers who did not get to work from home during the pandemic. So I think that this is going to be uh, a, uh, a very interesting show to watch. Yeah, it's definitely it's a chance to celebrate them in a new way. And Phil is so excited about it. How could you not yeah how could you not like absorb a little bit of that excitement coming off of him so i i really i can't wait to watch this this is going to be a lot of fun yeah i knew the show was coming i knew uh that we were talking about uh covering but i didn't really like do a uh any sort of like a like good hard look at uh you know who the people were but uh that i think this is a a very interesting cast it's a diverse cast so i I think that this is going to be a a really interesting show to watch yeah and of course we'll be covering it here on rhap yes yes so uh we'll be covering tough as nails the premiere is going to be on july 8th coming up on cbs uh phil used the word rodbuster uh a couple of times i don't i don't know what that profession is uh that uh, i hope nobody is a podbuster. Uh, well, I can't wait to find out if it if it turns out that one of the challenges is like smashing up podcasting microphones. I think we might have to stop covering it, but I think we'll be OK. <laughs> they, they, they did that in one of the amazing races where they had to go and smash a bunch of uh, electronics. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it wasn't podcasting equipment and they weren't like venting their rage at us. So I yeah. think I think we'll be pretty safe. The closest I have to a pod buster here is when my son, Anthony, comes in the room when I'm in the middle of a podcast. Dad, I have to poop. <laughs> like, all right, all right, I got to go. I got to go. OK, uh, but luckily, uh, n- nobody is uh, coming in right now. Uh, Jess, uh, in, in the meantime, before we get to Tough as Nails, uh, you and I are still in the process of uh, figuring out what tattoo Mike Bloom is going to get. Hopefully uh, next week on Rob is a podcast. Uh, we will get to that. Yep. I'm team Squiddington myself, but I feel like we have a lot of great options out there. And the Brant Steel should be one of the more demented things that we've put out on Rob Has a Podcast. Yes. Hopefully the wizards at Brant Steel may be able to get to the tough as nails Brant Steel, where some of the tattoos they will be they will lose, but they will go be in the team competition where they can end, the winning team ends up finding new home. Yeah. I, are, are you suggesting we're going to have to find other people to get the rest of the tattoos? <laughs> Or maybe just one person will get the rest of them. Or we could just get temporary tattoos. Like maybe Mike has to get a temporary tattoo of all of the designs and only one of them is permanent. 
Yeah, that would be great. I, you know, I haven't looked into that ever of like bulk permanent or temporary tattoos, but maybe in solidarity, everybody else can get the temporary tattoo of what Mike Bloom is getting. You know, we are just uh, we're just think tanking it up here. This is great. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're think tanking it up. Uh, Jess, uh, what else are you uh, working on? I, I had a new podcast uh, drop into my podcast feed about uh, not a new reality show, but an old reality show. Uh, yes, uh, we are currently we just dropped our preview episode uh, of the ABC series, The Mole. Uh, Josh Wiggler has never seen The Mole, knows nothing about it, is coming in blind. And so he is coming on with um, Brooklyn Zed, who is a mole super fan who's been bugging <laughs> us to do this for a long time. And they're fantastic. We had a lot of t- fun recording the first episode. And myself, I have a very interesting and strange history with The Mole and specifically with Anderson Cooper, which if you want to hear that story, you've got to listen to the podcast. But we had a lot of fun and we can't wait to start watching it. We're going to be watching episode one ahead of next week. Just you were a mole super fan. I, yeah, I was. I was something of a mole super fan. This was a show that could not have been more for me at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was definitely very much invested in it when it was on the air. I have not kept up with my mole super fandom. Nor have I, but I have to say I've seen the first episode and I've seen a couple of other. I remembered some of my favorites and went back and rewatched those. And it really holds up. It was a great show for the time and it's a great show for now. Okay, uh, check that out. And what about over on post show? Um, over on post show, we're a little bit quiet right now, but um, we have a lot of things going on behind the scenes that we're working on. And as soon as scripted TV comes back, we will have plenty to share with you there. Okay. All right. Well, uh, be on the lookout for uh, more episodes of The Mole Rewatch coming on the reality TV wrap ups. Uh, We will uh, bring you our recaps of Tough as Nails uh, coming in July on Rob Has a Podcast. And uh, stay tuned for much more. Thank you so much for listening. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. (laughs) 